You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, bottom of the hour. Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer for ESPN. We'll look around the NHL, get his thoughts on Matt Coronado signing with the Calgary Flames. Still taking your text messages, 960 with eight games to go in the flame season, how many, how many games you is tell Matt me. Coronado going to play? 960-960 name and location. Give us the why. Right now, though, Flames color analyst for Sportsnet 960, the fan on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to our man, Peter Labardius. Lou, how are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good day. Good evening. <laughs> yeah. All of the above. It's been a good 48 hours to be a Flames fan, Lou. It's not been so bad. Yeah. That's very true. True. You know, you sign a number one draft pick. You get some help on the uh, out-of-town scoreboard. You uh, somewhat painfully beat the San Jose Sharks on Saturday (laughs) afternoon in a game that could have potentially been played in a pig barn. It was a little sloppy. Um, but yes, oh yes, things are glorious. Um, I want to ask you the the same question. Resting uh, the text uh, line this morning. How yeah. many games do you think he plays here with eight to go? Um, hard question to answer, George, because as long as they are still in the hunt, I'm not sure when he gets in. Uh, he will get in at some point. I don't know. That's, 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 it would be so much easier to give you an answer if we were four games left rather than eight with Mm -hmm. the situation that we're in. I will say this though, um, as far as how I see it going, when you're in this kind of situation, as much as everybody is really excited, including myself to see him in a professional game, I would guess that he will spend the week practicing, getting up to speed. There is really no rush. And whatever you think about how Daryl approaches young players, if Daryl truly thinks at some point this week that Matt Coronado gives him a better chance in his lineup to win... I think he'll play. But until that is the case, especially with the Flames still in the chase, I'm not sure exactly when it's going to occur. Um, I'm really fascinated with how that conversation between Tree and Coronado and his representation went about, because clearly, uh, am I going to play in games here down the stretch? I'm sure it was a topic that was discussed. Do you think the head coach of the team had any say in that whatsoever? Not sure. Not sure. I, I really don't have a feel, guys, this year. Um, outside of saying Brad makes the deals and continues to do, do everything in his power, even without a new contract, to make this team better and try his best to look after its future. And I think 
you know, Daryl coaches the hockey team and certainly has been given the reins to do that in a way that he sees fit. So I'm sure that there have been discussions, always are, but not sure that, you know, how much Daryl, I can't really see Daryl being involved in any kind of negotiation process, but not not the negotiation, know. but the game, the, the the playing time, obviously, because that's something I'm sure um, was maybe one of the reasons why this kid signed. He goes, yeah, I, I want to be a part of a playoff stretch. Uh, disappointing how my collegiate career ended uh, in Harvard, and maybe I, I want a shot at the Stanley Cup playoffs and ultimately the Stanley Cup here. I, I want to get into this, and I want to be a guy who can maybe contribute to this team to help him get into the playoffs. I, I I don't want to assume, but I, I would imagine that was a conversation that was had. Oh, it's a conversation, George, that for sure would be had. Um, but let's remember, part of this has a lot to do with your contract and getting to the next one quicker. Yep. So that's 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 a big part of why you would come out and sign now of course he's going to want to play um i don't know how you make that promise and anything i've read from brad you know including from our regular contributor wes gilbertson has talked in the last 24 hours about they're not rushing um they really want to manage expectations and so i would guess even in the process with his agent and with him, I can't imagine that that wasn't part of the message as well. I don't know about promises. Obviously, he wants to get into the lineup, and I would love to see it. I have watched him on numerous occasions. I watched him four different times with my own two eyes this summer at the World Junior in Edmonton. This is a good responsible versatile player with a promising future and so we'll see how it goes if you're looking for a bit of a comparison I see a lot of Tyler Toffoli Mm. that's the first guy that comes to mind because he's not a burner he's unbelievably smart and it explodes off his stick. I almost see him, Jantz, as a bit of a combo between Tyler Toffoli and Brock Besser. Those are the two guys. That'd be pretty that good. To mind. That'd be pretty good. Is he yeah. ahead of Jacob Pelche yeah. now on the depth chart? Not for me. Not even, not even remotely until I see more and see what he can do at this level. No. Not for me. We saw Johnny not saying that he's not going to not to say George he's not going to get there but not right now no. Well, who plays more games then with 8 to go? Pelche or, or Coronado? Pelche. Okay. I think that's interesting cuz he's obviously struggled to score and he's here to produce and I know how things started to such a rocky way with the Flames but he was given the chance to play in the top 6, was given the chance to play in the number 1 power play unit and he hasn't really produced, and ever since that overtime game in, in Phoenix at the Mullet in Tempe, 
it's been uh, where's Jacob Peltier been? But I, I think that's interesting that you feel that way. Do, that you, do think you really, George? Honestly, though, guys, do you really feel like here's the thing for me? Okay, so he had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I I don't I don't see Jacob Peltier as a big producer in the National Hockey League. Hmm. I think the reason he's played 20-plus games is because of his intelligence, his motor. Like, he's a really versatile guy Hmm. with a high, high hockey IQ who needs to get a little stronger. But anyone who expected him to come in and be an instant producer, I honestly, I don't look at it that way. The first thing I look at from a young player, regardless of their resume going in, is can you play the game in every way that matters? And what allows Jacob Pelche and what has allowed him to play 22 games in the league is as much for me about outside of a rough game here or there, his ability to check and his ability to be very responsible without the puck. Because the more responsible you are without it, the more opportunities you're going to get with it. And, and I will evaluate Coronado exactly the same way. Now, if a young man comes in and catches fire and it's possible but I need to trust before I get to any expectations offensively. That's how, that's how I see the game. So, so how much more of a prolific scorer could you see Coronado being than Pelche? Because as much as, we, sure, Pelche maybe is not looked at as a guy who's going to be a consistent point-per-game player, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say, hey, this is a guy that every year gets you like 50 to 60 type of guy as he continues Not, to grow. I agree. And then I agree. would you see Matt Coronado as maybe a little bit of a higher offensive ceiling than a Jacob Pelche, just based on what you've seen, obviously, in the USHL and the NCAA? It's a different level, but wondering your thought there. Yeah, it's more for me about what I've seen at the World Junior. Yeah, sure. Um, I always think, I always think, frankly, and I had this conversation with someone in the last week about, you know, evaluating the world junior, and you can do it a lot of different ways, and it's not a straight line to success in the NHL. But I do find on good teams, if you find yourself in a top six role at forward or a top four role on defense, I like your chances of being a regular in the NHL. But for Matt Coronado, I, I do think it's going to be a process. And I would say this, yes, do I see more offensive upside in him and his ability to score? Yes, I do. But, but, but not necessarily today. Mm, yeah. And that's always the yeah. balancing act, guys. Um, and, and, and the thing I love about coming on this show is you guys always ask terrific questions. And these are all great questions. They really are. Because as a fan, of which I am, but I'm not, because it's not my job, 
is we all want to know the answer right now. Mm-hmm. The truth is nobody knows the answer. Mm-hmm. No one. The smartest people in hockey don't necessarily know the answer. Because a lot of the answer at the NHL level for young players who are not named McDavid or Matthews or, you know, the high, high elite can't miss, for everybody else outside of that very small percentile, it's what you do to get better and what you're prepared to do. And and frankly, guys, this this is a great quote I heard from Jeff Ward a number of years ago. And, and he defined in many ways in life greatness, and this could be Lou's life lesson today, because mm. it ties in, is your ability in every craft and in, and in athletics, and of course in hockey, how hard do you work at the things that don't come easy as opposed to the things that do? And that can be the great, definer of continually growing and taking more steps. Peter Labardius, Flames Color Analyst for Sportsnet 960 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, 960. The fan. To me, Matt Coronado could be like the September call-up in baseball that maybe gets you over the line and into the playoffs. Because to me, Lou, uh, outside of a couple of wingers on this team, there hasn't been like undeniable performances. Tyler Toffoli is the guy who's having the career year. Uh, Jonathan Huberto seemingly playing a little better hockey lately, but why not give this chance, uh, give this kid a chance to play somebody. And I thought Maddie brought up a great point. Why not stick him with Naz and see what it looks like? Like if you said Nick Ritchie or Milan Lucic, maybe move Dubé down. I think I'm okay with that. Are you, are you, you're okay with immediately putting Coronado in a spot ahead of Dubé, who's arguably had the best season of his career and one of the best on the team? I think Nick Ritchie is probably the guy that I would look to, but because I think Dubé is one of those guys you can play him on left or right side, excels at one over the other, but that would kind of be my look towards it. Guys, I, I love you. I love you, but I'm going to watch him practice for a couple of days. I don't think he gets in tomorrow. No. Uh, um, if, if he is the best option to give you a chance to win, even as early as Friday, I'm going to examine it for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think if you've ever coached at any level – the, the one thing for a coach, and even more so in this situation, A, you have to be careful. And not everybody is Kale McCarr, yeah. who jumped into the middle of an NHL playoff series and in two shifts made an impact. So if Matt Coronado, and I'm not saying he can't, I just I don't know if he can. Yeah. So this will be a way easier question for me to answer next Monday. Because mm-hmm. I'm not giving you a spot, frankly, unless you show me that you're a better option than what I have. And I need some kind of time and evaluation 
and potential fit to make that determination. Unless they're scouts and unless Brad and Daryl is convinced that immediately this guy's going to be an upgrade. I asked you at then the he's in. Yeah, I Lou, I asked you at the then beginning how many games you think he's gonna play. What is the minimum amount of games that if he doesn't get into here, it's gonna look bad on the organization? Like if he plays one game with eight to go here, I'm not sure that looks good on anybody here. Well, he's playing in every single game when this team is mathematically eliminated. For sure. That's a cinch. That one's easy. Before then, being as respectful as I possibly can be, I want to do what's best for the team and what's best for the player. Mm -hmm. I do not want to put Matt Coronado into situations where he's going to go into the summer. I need to give him a little taste. So he needs to see one for me, for sure. Just enough of a taste to help his training, to help his perspective. Yeah. I would be handling him right now, and I think they will, a lot like what we saw with Pelche when he was first called up. They went on that road trip, remember, guys? And everybody was mad that he didn't play then. But not me, not the coaches. Jacob was the first to say that he learned a lot by going through that and felt more comfortable and ready when he got in. I don't care if it's that business, our business, any business. Yeah. A, I need to know the individual better in their makeup, which is different than just watching him play. How's he going to deal? How's he going to deal? That to me is always, I I just, I guess guys in a world of rush, 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 (laughs) need to know today, today, today. In my career, I've seen a lot of mistakes based, especially on huge expectations coming out of the gate that probably aren't warranted. And it is set some really great players back. And if this guy is an unbelievably important commodity, your development thought process to me is way more important at Mm. this point than how many times he plays before the end of the season. Well, on the theme of uh, you got to be good now, 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 is there a chance Walker Dewar is just a late bloomer and could be a really good NHLer? Yes, 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 yes. But again, the path. He's 25 years old, played four full years in college, which frankly, guys, take it for what it's worth, that's an indication for the most part that you're a late bloomer. Mm -hmm. Because even generally, you look at Coronado, did he play all four years there? Nope. Nope. Generally, for the high-end guys in the NCAA, it's a two-year process or one year. And that's another conversation we'll have 
down the road at a different time. So in Walker's case, did it, got to pro hockey. It's just absolutely gotten better and better and better. And he plays with pace. The greatest act, two attributes that Walker Dewar has, in my estimation, is he brings size and pace, and he's comfortable with what he is. In every game I've watched him at any level, especially the American League and the NHL, because I didn't see him with my own two eyes in college, but at every camp, Every NHL game, every American League game, he he does Walker Dewar very well. And that's why I think he's ascended into a spot where he is going to be given every opportunity to be a regular NHLer from here on in. Reminds me a little of the Garnet Hathaway story. Mm-hmm. Which continues really to be written. Does. Yeah. And that's a good one out in Boston right now. He's a fun player to watch. And uh, I think he's got a little bit of a special spot in Flames fans' hearts for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, I know you called a, you were a ton of hockey games over the weekend. Uh, oh, one of the ones yeah. that, uh, that I was doing was the Hitman and the Oil Kings. The Hitman are going to the postseason. They're going to take on the Rebels. Uh, are you excited for the WHL postseason? Have you looked at the matchups? Is anything kind of piquing your interest as that is also coming up on the weekend? Does a bear go in the woods? Yes, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know Is what? it a cocaine bear? Sorry, <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> George, I love you. You're an, uh, you are an absolute treat. <laughs> You're a good human. Um, and funnier than all get out. Sorry. Um, no, it's good. I being, I'm not even being sarcastic. Okay, I'm thank you. I'm being very truthful. Okay, you're welcome. I'm my pleasure. Yeah. Maddie, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited um, I'm excited for Jeff Chanow, Steve Hamilton, and that whole group. It's, you know, been a very trying up and down year. So I know they were not very excited about the prospect of playing the favorite to win the Eastern Conference, the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, the Red Deer Rebels will be an incredible challenge, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be a good series. You know, I, I will say this. And I probably won't get a chance to based on schedule and all yeah. kinds of other things I'm involved in. But if I could sit in a corner, in a rink this spring, if it comes to fruition and watch one Western Hockey League series, it would be Seattle and Kamloops. Hmm. little uh, Western Conference final. A- yes. Because they are on a collision course. They are loaded with world-class players. I think there's a great chance they both end up representing my favorite junior hockey league at the Memorial Cup. And trust me, it has not gone lost on me (laughs) that the league champion has not won a tournament since 2014 and the champion of that league has won two games one game as a champion since 2015 well 
Peter Labardius, always terrific stuff. Flames analyst for Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, Lou, always a pleasure. Thanks for the kind words. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, pal. Guys, to both of you, stay young. Okay. Ah, I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I can do that. Sure. I get a birthday yeah, coming not, up in like four like, days. Are we talking maturity-wise, Lou? Because yeah, I'm probably whole, around 17 anyway. So. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Because I'm going to give that speech. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Thanks, pal. Talk hey, soon. Yeah, we had a reference to cocaine bear in the chat, but yeah, let's talk again. about being mature. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, mm-hmm. There he is, Peter Labardius on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Down in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403 248 3344. Straight ahead, we're asking you on the text line 96960. With eight games to go, how many does Matt Coronado get into and why? And we'll talk to Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer for ESPN. We'll do that next. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at 4 or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960. The fan will wrap up the show with your text messages at 960-960. With eight games to go, how many does Matt Coronado get into and the why? But right now, ESPN senior writer, Greg Wyshynski on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Wish, good morning. How are you? Doing well. I mean, succession is back, so that's, yep. that's good for my life. Final as season. A, as a New yep. Yorker. Yeah. You could literally walk down the streets of Brooklyn and hear the theme song playing last okay. night, wow. uh, which is, you know, I think speaks to the uh, narcissistic nature of my city. Okay. Uh, so that's good. Um, <laughs> have people in New York started to like embody the characters from the show a little bit more over the last few years? Oh, I think the characters in the show uh, embody us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, spots to reference. There's mm. a lot of spot the uh, the caricature. It is uh, it's 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 akin it's akin to what you'd find here uh, at any bar in the uh, financial district at any mm. point during the week. Um, wanted to ask you about our text question. How many games do you think Matt Coronado gets into here with eight to go? Wish. Oh my God! Hopefully, as many as possible, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I listen. I, I couldn't give you a number, but uh, you know, anything, anything to help the cause at this point for a team that has, I think, at last glance, around what an eighteen percent chance of making the cut. Uh, so the more, the merrier, I say. Um, is is that stigma still around of maybe executives? I think this is more of a Canadian fan thing that maybe. Canadians say, no, no, major junior hockey is the way to go here, playing in the Q, the dub, or the O, opposed to playing NCAA down south. When did that really start to change? When did the tide really shift to saying, no, 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 Division One college hockey in the United States is on par with Canadian major junior hockey? You know, I, that's a great question. I, I, I think there's two things that have helped. One is obviously the U.S. Uh, junior program being a lot more relevant in the last decade or so than it had been previously. I mean, really challenging on the the international stage and and putting a spotlight on the quality of player that was playing in the NCAA. But I I also think just like from a perception standpoint and from a a attention standpoint, the fact that the frozen four 
has has really ratcheted up its uh, its its profile, you know, as an event where it's getting you know national television coverage, obviously, and there's a lot more uh, identification of the tournament from people that uh, you know went to those schools. I think all of that has led to maybe a, a reevaluation and a, a recognition of of how good the quality of play is there and the quality of players. Now we get to this time of the year where the college season kind of comes to an end and different guys start to join their teams. Do you get caught up in some of the hype around free agent signings out of college around this time of year? I get caught up uh, this year in particular as a Devils fan. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like I'm watching that. I'm watching that Penn State Michigan game last night. I'm like, go Nittany Lions. Uh, get Luke Hughes on that Devils roster ASAP. But uh, no, I, I think I think that's part of the fun, right? I mean, for me, you know, you talk about you know big moments and, and when trends start. I still remember covering the Colorado Avalanche that postseason when Kale McCarr parachuted into a playoff series after his college career was done, and and the immediate impact to the, that he had. Now, granted, Kale McCarr is a unicorn in a lot of ways, including the ability to make that leap so flawlessly and so seamlessly, but. It just goes to show you that, you know, whether, depending on the player and, and depending on the need of a team, uh, that late season boost could be as impactful as a move made at the trade deadline. I mean, you look at the Devils' blue line right now and you add someone that can move the puck and, and, and you know, play the, the point off in the offensive zone like Luke Hughes can, and all of a sudden that becomes a more dangerous team despite his inexperience. Wish, is it easier now to, to, to make an NHL debut from guys in college to, to jump into the NHL now than maybe it was 15 to 20 years ago because the game just isn't as physical as it used to be? That's part of it. Um, but I also think that part of it, too, and, and this is a, a huge change in this league that probably deserves a lot more investigation than it's gotten, is the amount of responsibility and trust that a lot of teams not all teams, Calgary, but a lot of teams <laughs> give their younger players. Uh, you, you know, the, the fact that you do have these really young players uh, coming in and making an impact at 19, making an impact at 20. And, and a lot of that is, is obviously financial um, in the sense that the, the cap being where it is and where it's been, they've had to find cheap labor to play in their bottom six, and, and they've had to entrust uh, younger players with more responsibility. But your ultimate point is the correct one, which is that you can slide in somebody who maybe isn't physically ready to be in this league or maybe doesn't necessarily play NHL-level defense into a sport that is much more free skating and a, a hell of a lot less physical than it was even 10 years ago. Over the weekend, it was the Devils breaking a playoff drought. They're headed back to the postseason. They're probably going to end up facing the Rangers in the first round. Um, when you look at the kind of matchups, I think this is a great matchup. I think the one edge would probably be the Rangers in net. But apart from that, how do you like the matchup between the Devils and the Rangers if that's how it ends up going? Well, it's an interesting matchup in the sense that, you know, I think both of those teams like to do the same thing. Both of those teams like to play at, at, a, at a certain pace, and they like to get their, their offensive players as much time and space as they can get to create. I mean, you think of the way Panarin plays and Jack Hughes plays and Bratt plays and Keisha plays, all these guys kind of like to play the same way offensively. And so it could be a real freewheeling series. I mean, not, not what you'd expect from a Devils Ranger series reputationally, but it could be a really freewheeling series. And I, I think both of those teams are going to struggle against your Carolinas and your Bostons and, and maybe your Tampas that know how to take away time and space, that, that, that know how to control pace 
But in a series against each other, it, it really is a toss-up outside of, like you said, Churkin being the ultimate X factor in the sense that the Devils do not have a guy on that roster that can win a playoff series on his own, and we've seen Igor do that. ESPN NHL senior writer Greg Wyshynski joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960. The Van wishes on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We've been talking about it on this show, um, Wish. Are the Islanders like that sleepy, dangerous team that nobody really wants to play because they'll they'll just choke the game down? They got Sorokin in net. Uh, Bo Horvat's been really good since getting out of the island. Is that the sneaky team that could be like a danger spot for the Hurricanes potentially? Well, let me, let me say this first, that my hot take this morning on ESPN is that they won't make it. I know the numbers Ooh, are in their favor. Okay. Uh, but, but I think the, the Penguins can put down the pedal, and the Panthers are in a really interesting place. They've got three games now uh, on a Canada road trip, one against Ottawa, one against Montreal, and in between Toronto. If they can pick up at least – and then they go to Columbus after that. So you, got, you have four games mm. on the road now. They're, they're killing it at home. Like like four of their last five games are at home. If they can pick up a good amount of points on this road trip, I think they're going to be in a really good position. And they're they're a team that has certainly stumbled lately with their opportunities to really kind of you know rocket up the standings. But I still think there's a chance that they might. But let's let's go with your premise. Assuming the Islanders make it, I've had multiple people tell me that they are not a team built for the regular season, but they're very much a team built for the playoffs. And that makes a lot of sense when you see the way they play when you see the veteran names on that roster, when, when you see the kind of grinding series they might thrive in in the playoffs, I, I buy that. I buy the idea that while none of us have really gotten our socks knocked off by the Islanders in this regular season, if they get in, they could certainly give uh, teams a, a tough go of it. The question is, is like, ultimately, is that a, a team like Boston that's going to really be rattled? Or is it more of the case of if they were playing the Devils or they're playing the Rangers and were able to kind of like really control the pace in those series if they would be more impactful. Because I do think that at the end of the day, like Islanders, Carolina, stylistically, that's a wash. Like Carolina knows how to win that series, mm-hmm. uh, even if they're going to struggle to find the goals to do so. Um, I wish I, I know this is probably uh, a mistake to say, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, is <laughs> I think this is the year the Leafs get past the Lightning because Tampa's been struggling. They looked a little inconsistent. I know that's a team that flips the switch in the playoffs and getting to so many cup finals in a row. I get the pedigree there. But I just feel like if the Leafs can get half-decent goaltending, I think this is the year. What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, your lead, your final thought is the real important one, right? Which is that you have to get that goaltending from Elias Samsonov and, and, and Matt Murray at the end of the day. And, and the question remains whether they can. Um, Tampa is an interesting one because anytime you have those, like, five pillars on your roster – you know, with Stamkos and, and Kucherov and Hedman and Vasilevsky and Point, um, you're, you're going to be in any series. I mean, those guys can control a series, win it on their own, if they're all going in the right direction. The, the, the trick with Tampa is whether or not this is the season in which attrition finally catches up with that roster. Mm-hmm. Like, they won two cups in a row, then they lost the Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman line, right, to, to free agency and the expansion draft. They go back to the final, and they lose. They, they just don't have that extra thing anymore to get past a team like Colorado. Well, now you've subtracted Ryan McDonough, who does a ton of good for them in the playoffs the previous three seasons, and Andre Palat, who's ultimately maybe been, been their clutchest player in the postseason during this entire run. So at what point does the attrition catch up with the depth on that roster? At what point are they asking too much from their big five? And you're right. I mean, they're, they're right for the picking this year based on the way that they've played, but 
I, I hesitate to pick against <laughs> Kucherov and Point and, and Hedman and especially Vasilevsky, who's proven himself to be the best postseason goalie we've had since Marty Brodeur. The Washington Capitals are six points out. They've got eight games left. It looks like they're going to miss the postseason for just the fourth time in Alex Ovechkin's career and second time in the last 16 seasons. Is that the most prolific player that we won't see in the NHL postseason this year? I mean, I, I imagine so, or, or maybe the biggest star, maybe the most notable name. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there are obviously other guys that have put up a, a good number of points that aren't going to make it either. But, like, the, the interesting thing about the Capitals going forward, uh, I, I talked to Ted Leonsis, their owner, last year about kind of the direction of the team. And he said, look, you know, Ovechkin re-signed with us, not so we would create a team in service of him breaking Gretzky's record, but that we would build a team that would be competitive. Like, he didn't want to just hang around and, and, and be outside the playoffs for, the, for the, the, you know, the rest of his career in Washington. So they've got the opportunity to do that. If you look at their cap situation, they've got a ton of a lot of expiring contracts they've shipped out. They've got a ton of cap space. They've retained some guys that they wanted to keep beyond the season. Uh, the Capitals are a really interesting team to watch this postseason, not only for the cap space they have available, but also because they could get real aggressive. I mean, there's been a lot of chatter about maybe you getting his nets off moving on after this season, uh, maybe that being in the, the interest of the best interest of him and the team. So this is going to be a real summer of change for Washington, and it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be really fascinating to see what that change looks like. Is it a, a slew of young players that go around Ovi, or is it going to be players that maybe are a little bit older in the service of trying to just make this a relevant team while he chases this record? Wish, are we all, not that we're sleeping, but uh, the LA Kings have been damn good this season, and I feel like <laughs> uh, that's the team, you know, wait till Colorado gets it going, Dallas has been impressive, uh, Vegas, even without Mark Stone, continues to lead this division. And the Oilers and McDavid, obviously the slam dunk hard trophy winner. But were the Kings in your mind potentially to, to be a team that can do a lot of damage in the playoffs? Because I think if it's the Kings and Oilers in round one, that should be an absolute beauty. And to me, it's a coin flip series. Yeah, especially when you think about how that series broke last year and, and, and how competitive the Kings were. I mean, look, no one's been hotter. I think they have like a 12-game point streak right now. and And... The, the scary thing about them is that earlier in the season, you could look at their underlying numbers and say, okay, they're, they're out kicking their coverage right now. Like they're not this good. Uh, but all, a lot of those metrics started moving in the right direction around like the all-star break to the point where now everything that you see under the hood is matching what you're seeing in the standings. And that's the mark of a really good team. I think they had one of the better trade deadlines of, of any team in the league, uh, especially in, in upgrading their goaltending position. Uh, as aggressively as they did. Corpus Allo was a sneaky one because I think a lot of people remembered him being an absolute sieve last year and didn't realize that for half a season he was quite good uh, this season. So they're, they're dangerous. They're real dangerous. And um, as, as much as I want as, as many rounds of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl as I can get <laughs> as an American hockey fan working for a major rights holder, uh, it, it may well be the LA Kings uh, put about one if they do uh, match up in that first round series. Yeah, it'll be it'll be super fun uh, and super interesting. Who doesn't want to see like a Jonathan Quick against the Kings in a in a series? <laughs> that'd be super fun and super interesting. Uh, NHL senior writer um, for ESPN, Greg Wyshynski. Wish always a pleasure. Thanks for this, pal. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Uh, There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Down in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Got about six minutes to go before we hand things over to more big show. 
with Patty Dumas. Uh, we've been asking you all morning on 960-960. With eight games to play in the Flames season and with the signing of Matt Coronado, how many games is the kid going to get into and the why? Our Sportsnet 960, the fan text reading robot, is texting McTexterson, and he's back with some of your text messages. Let's hit it. Nick in Copperfield. I think six or seven because it depends on how comfortable he is right away and how long it takes him to understand Sutter's system, and I think we would work perfectly with Kadri and Huberto. Mm-hmm. There's another one. I uh, You want to see him with Kadri? Yeah, I like Huberto where he is right now, but I also like the run-on sentences that occur with Texty when people don't put periods and, and breaks. That was also fun to me, the way it just went on forever. Okay, why do you got to be so... Uh... What angry there at that? I'm not angry. That's I just the I, way this the way it is. I I'm legit. I like the way that it's like Texty one continuous thought for like Texty, four sentences. Texty's Let's go. Texty's the Ron Burgundy of Grammar text reading so robots. Like he just reads what it's written. 1900s. It. Anyways, who cares? Yeah. Grammar shrammer. Yeah. Um, Wedley. Okay. Yeah. Wedley, Wedley in Bridalwood. There is a better chance of Winston Churchill inventing the light bulb than Daryl <laughs> playing Coronado. It'll go two games if we are out of it then. <laughs> yeah, uh, that refers to uh, when Alex Brody on our general knowledge quiz on Friday, when I asked him who invented the light bulb, he said Winston Churchill. Close. Which I think was a plus for all of humanity. Yeah, we all won. Uh, did you get day. any text messages, Alex, about your uh, your performance? I got I got laughed at a lot about that one. But you but know what? You I, won. I won, so I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Who cares? It's just... You're was, all about the W's. If I were going to get any question wrong, I wouldn't have wanted it to be that one. But okay. nonetheless, I'll take the dub. Yeah, it's just I think it was your guess. <laughs> I but, felt the pressure. Like, you know, on the radio, you can't stay silent. You know, like a Jeopardy, they got like the two the lights that go inward. That's yep, what I was visual, feeling. Right? Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. It was not good. Hey, you won. You're the champion. Uh, so nothing, nothing to be ashamed about. Because uh, you were a total stud. Yeah, champion. You get to have a poem written about you. It's going to yeah, be beautiful. From GVP. Uh, I'm just going to I'm gonna make the questions a little more difficult the next time. Because I thought the last time they were really easy. I had trouble with the China capital. That yeah. was a... Uh... Yeah. Um, GVP didn't know Alanis Morissette. You ought to know. Yeah. And you ought to know about... Pill. You ought to know about Alanis. You absolutely should. And that song is about Dave Coulier, which is the most mind-blowing thing ever in the history of humanity. The more you know. The cut-it-out guy. Big wings guy. Yeah, he is. Big wings. Big hockey guy. Right And with his stuffed animals and stuff. Weird guy, Dave Coulier. Strange stuff. Yeah. Um, more from Texty. Bruce and Cochran. Matt Scoronato will play three games. <laughs> hey, Bales won't bail themselves, you know. Don't want to tire the kid out. Okay. So he gets three games in so he doesn't get tired. That way at the end of the season, he right goes up to the farm yeah. and help Daryl with the hay. Yeah, a lot of dry land training up there. Mm. Okay. Kevin More. from Calgary Zero and ask Daryl Sutter why. Oh. <laughs> Could you imagine the conversation we'd have in this city if he plays no games? <laughs> Woof. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Pat. I appreciate just, filling that. Just from a um, talk show fodder perspective, that'd be kind of neat. But for us, <laughs> selfishly. Like, selfishly for our show. It'd be kind of neat. Yeah, like, we do, like, chaos You're a little bit. You're saying that like such a snake in the grass. Yeah. Hey, wouldn't it be great if Coronado <laughs> doesn't play a game? 
Yeah. Stop it. It's like the little girl looking at the uh, house fire with a smile on her face. Yeah. That's me right there. Yeah. Like, maybe he doesn't get in any games. <laughs> He's snaking around for yeah. the benefit of the show. Cut it out. Yeah. Texty. All right. More from Texty. Zach in Okotoks Zero. Daryl already has him signed up for an apprenticeship at the farm instead. <laughs> So, like, was that talk? Did Tree say that? Yeah, we're going to sign you, but you got to do one game and then you have to fix the roof. Yeah. Uh, and then you got to uh, do the horseshoes on the new horses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know when calving season, but you'll be there for that. hundred percent. It's got to be coming up soon. You know, springtime. That's when babies are born. Yep. Um, yeah. So get your work boots on. Kid. It's a little different than Harvard, the teaching out here. Yeah, I I, I would say so. It's a little different than your economics That's class. That's Texas yeah. done. No, he's done. Yeah, he's oh, done. He's done. All right. He's um, it's always fun. He uh, did his best. You got uh, more big show, mucho big show, big yeah, show XL, uh, big show plus coming up. What do you got? Got Tim Leeper, man. Uh, excited to talk with him. Talked with him in the past. Uh, former Blue Jays first base coach. He was also Canada's first base coach over the World Baseball Classic. Doing a lot of coaching right now. So. Want to get his opinion on the team and what he had, uh, his experience down in Arizona. Yeah, Leap's good people. Um, also, the story he has when Bautista hits that home run. The bat the flip? Rangers. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just, the building. Was Should you get him to tell it again? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not telling Patrick how to do his interviews. Patrick's terrific at giving interviews. I just, it's a good story. Yeah, sure. If I recall. Maybe it wasn't Leaper. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. no, that I'm... was Brian Butterfield. Yeah, it was Butter. It was Butter. It was DeMarlo Hale. Yeah. That's who it was. It was DeMarlo Hale. I don't know. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, we'll tee up the Flames and Kings tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, talk to our man, J-Mac. Julian McKenzie, I think, will join us tomorrow. Yes. Got a couple other uh, irons in the fire as well. Yeah. Um, that's it for us. Uh, stay tuned for uh, Big Show Mucho. Leap Dog. Thanks for all your text messages. Apologies to the ones we couldn't get to. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.